Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. The U.S. Surgeon General says we are in a loneliness epidemic, but some Chicagoans think that they can help. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Social connection is one of the best ways to combat isolation and loneliness. But finding the right community isn't always easy, even with all the classes, organizations, and activities here in Chicago. So to jumpstart our inspiration, we're talking to a couple groups working to build community and promote social connection right here in the city. First up is Jeremy Foster, president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metropolitan Chicago. So, Jeremy, what have you noticed about the toll that loneliness and social isolation has had on young kids? I'd say it's not only the children, uh, it's the parents of our children as well, uh, and also our volunteers, um, because human connections at the core uh, you know, of our community. And so we, we've seen it really impact you know, our, our, our most precious stakeholders in the organization. Wow. Tell us more about how mentorship works in the organization. Yeah, so it, it's, it's as deep and connected uh, to another human being as you can get. And so we pair one-on-one a caring adult volunteer with a child. Uh, it transcends friendship. It's really about family. They get connected not only to the child but the parent and caretaker. Mm-hmm. And they see that child consistently. And over a series of years, we just had a graduation where we had a slew of matches that were eight and ten years wow. together. That's great and beneficial, I would think. Oh, transformative. Wow. So what impact have you seen uh, mentorship have on both the mentor and the mentee? Talk about both sides. Yeah, I think just purely from a mental health standpoint, right, it's just good to be around each other, especially coming out of a pandemic mm-hmm. when, when you were um, you know, isolated from each other. And I know there's a difference between isolation and lonely, loneliness, Yes. but that connection is so fundamental to how we operate, but also when we talk to, you know, our, our volunteers who come in, because we get a lot of folks that move in from outside of Chicago, one of the number one things they say is they join Big Brothers Big Sisters to find a sense of community and connection. Really? Uh, and they chose this organization because how deeply you do get connected to a young person. And what it does for a young person, right, opens up avenues and allows them to realize their full potential. It's pretty remarkable. So it's helping your group uh, or groups like yours, I should say, to combat feelings of loneliness. Every day. I mean, it's, a, it's central to, to what we do. What's been your own experience with mentorship? Uh, I would not be in the role that I am without uh, a mentor. Uh, strong family, two parents, large, large household, first to go to college uh, in my family. But it was a 70-year-old lady that ran a community center I grew up in. I grew up as a government cheese food stamp kid, uh, and she planted a seed and said, you'd be great running this organization. It was an it was a after-school program I went to. It wasn't even on the radar. I love how you still remember that. It's, it's there. Yeah. Right? That's why I'm sitting here. So what advice then would you have for younger and older folks listening to us who right now might be feeling a little lonely? What would you say? Get involved in your community. Right? There's really no substitute for being around other people. Um, just think of how you feel when you've had a great conversation, like an actual conversation. I want you to pay attention to that next time, how you actually feel. out of that. It's completely different than texting somebody or FaceTiming or whatever you do to stay connected. Is just get involved and get involved with other people. Uh, 
it does so much for you physically, socially, emotionally, and of course, uh, it's one of the central ways to combat loneliness. Yeah, we've heard, we've all heard the saying, you know, folks might not remember things that you do, but they definitely will remember how you made them feel. Oh my gosh, that's no truer words have ever been spoken. Yeah, for sure. So how can folks who are interested and want to get involved in in Big Brothers, Big Sisters, how can they join up? Uh, Visit the website. So it's uh, bbbsgo.org. That's the first place to start. It's uh, thumb-friendly if you do it on your mobile or click-through friendly to find out the opportunities because we have children... Uh, in all four counties, Chicago proper, but throughout Chicagoland, we have kids waiting, and we would love to have more uh, adults um, get involved in our young people's lives. Yeah. Do you have an idea of how many are, are waiting? What's the need like? Yes. Yeah, so the actual wait list is around 300 children. Wow. The reality is there's a lot more. We, we're very careful of you know, raising the flag because we, we'll, we'll get thousands more families that come to us. What's the time commitment like for folks who aren't aware and they're interested in signing up? If you yeah, want so, to become a mentor, yeah, great, great question. It's it's actually the number one thing people ask, and it's funny when you become a big. It's like, oh, it's actually not that much time because you're little, as we call them. They become integrated into your life. So if you're going to run to the grocery store, you pick up your little uh, and do things like that. And so it's a couple times a month, um, a few hours each time, picking up your little, and we ask for a year commitment. Doing yeah. that. But I'll tell you that you're, my wife's been doing it now. She's four years already with her little sister. It's incredible I how fast that. time flies. Jeremy Foster is uh, president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metropolitan Chicago. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to hear now from a group called One Table, which works to bring people together for Shabbat dinners every week. Jacob Rosenblum is a One Table Shabbat dinner host. Hey, Jacob. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the show. And Julia Logan LeBeau is Director of Impact and Learning at One Table. Welcome to Reset, Julia. Thanks so much for having me. So for people who aren't familiar with the Jewish tradition of Shabbat, what is it? Yeah, so Shabbat is really an opportunity to gather and be in community. Um, we focus specifically on Friday night dinners, which is often inv- involves ritual. It involves good food, delicious bread like challah. Um, And then sort of the more traditional, you know, entire definition of Shabbat is the 25 hours from um, sundown Friday night to sundown on Saturday. So, uh, Jacob, social connection, it seems to be right at the heart of what Shabbat is. Absolutely. How has it helped you feel more connected to others? Shabbat has, especially during COVID lockdowns, uh, provided a sense of temporality to my life that was completely missing Uh, when we were fully locked down. So to realize that, you know, it's Sunday and maybe my partner and I will just sit down for a one table Shabbat dinner alone uh, actually helped me realize that it is the end of the week, that a week has passed, even though it didn't feel like that in lockdown um, and really find an intentional space to connect with each other. What about you, Julia? Yeah, so I think what we find for for the, the impact of these dinners is that it's an opportunity to take a deep breath at the end of the week, to be in community, mm-hmm. to, you know, one of the recommendations from Dr. Murthy was to put our, like, renegotiate a relationship with technology. Absolutely. And what we find so much is that our participants share 
I this was the first meal of the week that I wasn't sitting in front of a TV sort of shoveling food into my face. Which happens often, right? Yeah. Is it just me? Yeah. No, it's not just you. It's definitely lots and lots of Cramming people. Cramming some, like getting my food ready to set up next to a screen of some kind. Exactly. You know, from yeah. an iPad to a laptop to a television. Yes. <laughs> um, how did you first get involved? With yeah. One table. So I actually was a guest at a dinner. I was at a class and um, they're talking about how wonderful Shabbat dinner is. And I literally raised my hand and I said, sign me up. I would love to be a guest at a Shabbat dinner. And uh, someone came up to me and invited me to her home for Shabbat. She was a total stranger to me. And that's it was a one table dinner. And I said I left her house and I felt like that, what you were just talking about. I felt so good. I felt like I was exploring my Jewish roots. I felt like I was making new friends. Mm -hmm. And from there, I continued to guest. I became a host. And then um, I started as our Chicago field manager. And then now I'm in this role overseeing our research and evaluation. And Jacob, what's it like for you, your experience hosting these dinners? I have absolutely loved being a host. I've done it for many years. And I think it's an opportunity to not only see the people I love, but to invite them all to a space to meet each other. And I think one of the most rewarding things I've seen from hosting One Table Shabbats is that my friends who didn't know each other would become friends themselves and hang out without me. And ah, I loved seeing that. I love that, too, Yeah, when that happens. Give us your origin story with One Table. How would you get involved? I also started as a guest. I was invited, and I just saw the immense capacity for anti-loneliness, honestly, of mm. inviting everyone together. Is that the trajectory community. that tends to happen? You come in as a guest and then you, you know, you're like, I want to stay. <laughs> How do exactly. I get involved? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, a Time Magazine article that looked at the daily routines and habits of happiness researchers. One thing that they all did was they met with friends three to four times a week. And we know that at one table you're doing at least once a week, right, with the Friday dinners. Do you think, uh, Jacob, that overcoming loneliness is as simple as that? Just hanging out with friends? Or does it go deeper? I do think it goes deeper. I think it is very much um, a systematic issue in the United States. Um, I think, you know, if we had more affordable child care, if we had uh, affordable housing, higher wages, people would have more opportunities to experience the Haolam Haba of Shabbat or the world to come, where we have more connection and we have more rest. Mm -hmm. um, I think if we had more walkable neighborhoods, multifamily housing to be physically closer, we would be able to get out of our houses and speak more to each other. Yeah. What do you think, Julia? I mean, is, is it just as simple as, as spending time with other people, hanging out with friends? Yeah, I think there's a sort of a big ditto to what Jacob said. And and also what I see is that there's and this is kind of the structure that one table provides is in an invitation and saying, okay, on a Tuesday, I'm already starting to think about the guests I want to invite to my home, the menu I want to plan or the mm -hmm. food I want to order in. And so really thinking about like what's the intention I want to carve out for myself this week. And sometimes it's I want to be with 18 people at my house for a dinner. And sometimes it's, I just want to be with me and three other friends. Right. And so what does it look like? Also, I think that piece of loneliness is thinking about the intention of how am I crafting the experience and the connection that I'm looking for as right. well. And those periods of, of being by yourself, like that's okay. Yes. Right. Uh, what do you think, Jacob, are, are, are barriers to really finding solutions to loneliness? What's, you know, what's getting in the way? I think that... Um, you know, again, uh, there's this culture of um, independence 
that we have that we want to have, you know, our section of land that we want to have, our nuclear family. But there are so many ways to connect with other people beyond that, where we are meeting in third spaces, meeting organically, working towards Zedek or justice that allows the world every day to feel more like Shabbat. And that really is the goal of Shabbat is to make to make you realize that the world could look this way mm-hmm. if we all just cared for each other more and we're in more proximity with one another. We're all nodding our heads at this table at that, <laughs> Jacob, plus one there. Um, you gather a lot of feedback, Julia, from participants of one table, and you look at how the dinners have really helped them you know, feel more co- uh, connected. Give us some more feedback that you've been hearing and, and data that suggests that. Yeah, so we recently just added a question, uh, measuring collective effervescence, which oh. sounds kind of wonky. Please explain. Yeah, what's collective effervescence? So really, it's if you've been to a sporting event, if you've been a, to a concert, you've felt this. And it's this feeling of connection to people at the event. And it's the feeling of a little bit of transcendence, like mm-hmm. something sort of beyond us is going on here. That and is so, so true. Everyone's in a great mood. People buy concert tickets, solo concert tickets for that very reason, because you know you're just going to be surrounded by people who are fans of that same person, and it's just going to be this supportive vibe. Yes, exactly. And that feeling can even happen at a Shabbat dinner, at a small dinner with friends, with family. And what we found was when we started asking this question is that our participants reported really high levels of collective effervescence, meaning they scored high on this scale, which was developed by a professor at University of Buffalo. And that high collective effervescence scales is predicted of more positive emotions, increased meaning in life, higher levels of happiness. And so for us, we're like, wow, you know, on when you think about Shabbat dinner, you're mm-hmm. like, yes, this makes sense. Being with friends and family at the end of the week a time to gather, that makes sense. But being able to see it reflected in these you know, validated measures is also really powerful. They're yeah. meeting new people. They're feeling less lonely. I love that. So give us some advice then for the folks listening and feeling lonely right now. You first, Jacob. Yeah. Shabbat is a lot about sacredness in time. And I think there is something really special about setting aside that time, even once a week, to intentionally reach out to people and connect and create that sacredness together. I think another uh, great opportunity for people to connect is to work toward Ha'olam Haba, to work toward the world to come together, to create the social conditions Mm -hmm. where we all, regardless of socioeconomic status, race, any sort of uh, predictor of uh, loneliness can actually participate in civil society, can participate in actions of rest and relaxation uh, because it is not equally distributed in our society. Julia, your advice? Yeah, I think if you're looking to join a one table Shabbat dinner, you can go to our website. And you don't have to be Jewish, right? Exactly. You do not have to be Jewish. Anyone is welcome at the table. Um, And then I think beyond that, it really is finding community groups that you're feel connected to that you want to explore. And that's a really wonderful way to combat loneliness. We've been talking to Julia Logan LeBeau, who's One Table's Director of Impact and Learning, and Jacob Rosenblum, Shabbat dinner host. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thanks, Sasha. Thank you so much. The 
This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Stephanie Kim. If you're looking to be part of a community, why not be part of ours? You can connect with us via newsletter, on social media, or even just hang out with us at one of our live events. Just this past weekend, we hosted a bus tour where we learned all about Chicago's rich blues history. Just go to wbez.org slash events to catch our next rendezvous in the city. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.